G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys AFL Fantasy Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the most popular players and whether or not you should follow the crowd or take them on as a bit of an anti-pod. Let's go! G'day and welcome again to the Ball Boys AFL Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter at Ball Boys Fantasy and joined once again by Luke Rogerson. Mate, we are talking popular players today. Yeah, exciting uh, opportunity here to uh, talk about some players that you, you might want to go against the grain with. Yeah, uh, so, so we've yeah. talked a lot about like Team Vanilla and things like mm. that early in the preseason, and obviously there's, there's some... Some reasons we do that. Obviously, it's safer with the numbers behind you. And if yep. if someone goes down, like you're not the only one that's being hurt. But sometimes the best pod is not by starting someone who's lowly owned, but not starting someone who's highly owned. For example, last year when we interviewed the winner, uh, Mr. Carr himself, he didn't start a Josh Dunkley yep. last year, um, who ended up having a not a bad season, but a disappointing season, I guess, to yep. pa- compared to whatever um, everyone. Uh, expected of him, and that propelled him a lot at the start of the year to a good start. So we're going to ask the question of probably the top 10 most popular players, excluding the rookies, because, you know, you've got nothing to gain by I'm going not, against... I'm not uh, fading Harley Reid. <laughs> yeah, I'll, not... I'll put it out there. Yeah, so we're not, we're not fading those boys, but some of these premiums and, and maybe some of the mid-prices as well, uh, whether or not we're going to go with them or not. Starting at number one, the most popular premium player in mm. the game who also has an early buy round, Brody Grundy. This, let's, let's talk about the arguments both for starting him and also against starting him. Okay, well, we'll for starting him is, is obviously that we, we see him as value. If he's exactly. a solo, the solo ruck there at Sydney, we've seen in the past what he can do as a solo ruck. Do we necessarily expect him to reach the 120 heights that he has before? No, but he doesn't, no. he doesn't need to do that to, to be yep. value. So... He's gone to a new club in search of that number one ruck role, and by all reports, he's been told he's the guy. The reason I can see it being a good opportunity potentially to go against him is because some of the other options that we have on right. this line. Yeah. So, you know, if if it was maybe a normal ruck season where there really wasn't many other weren't yeah. too many other value options, then maybe I'd, It'd be I'd a hard just, case to kind of say don't yeah. start Grundy. Because but if you were wanting to go against Grundy and it was to go to a and Jerry combo or something yep. like that, then I certainly wouldn't be talking anyone out of that. Yeah, I think I think that's the key thing. It's like, okay, well, if you're not going to go Grundy, who are you going to go? Because I think Grundy's a great option. Like, I don't think yep. you're going to be disappointed when you start Grundy. I think he is value. I think he's probably at least 20 points of value. The question is, okay, can I do better than that? Can I do better than that with a player that doesn't have an early buy round? Yeah. The other thing I would say is, how many of those round five buys do you have? Like in the forward line, do you have a Taylor Adams? Do you have a James Jordan? Are you yep. starting with the Nick Dacos as well, who we will talk about? Um, there's already three very popular round five buy players. If you're adding Grunny into the mix, you've got four round four buy players. So that's a lot of that's a lot of points you're leaving off in that round in particular. Um, so the the Grundy reason to go against it was not necessarily for Grundy himself. Yeah. It's kind of, okay, well, what does your whole team mix look like? And is there a better option? I think 
the two names we need to discuss in regards to Grundy is Gorn and someone like uh, Tristan Sherry. So, so a point that you made in our Rucks episode that I thought was was good was that if you see both Gorn and Grundy as 20-point upside guys this year, then the no-brainer is to go with Gorn because if he's a 20-point upside guy, you've effectively got a guy that you can lock captain. in as a, yep. as a pick for the season. He's going to be there or thereabouts when it comes to the top um, two Rucks. So yes. uh, I guess it depends on how you're evaluating both of those guys in terms of their upside. Yeah, so the other thing I want to bring to everyone's attention as well is if you're looking at those three options, which are probably the most popular three options, two of them have around 12 buy in the mid-season buy. Okay. One of them has around 14. Gorn has the round 14. Yeah. And Grundy and Tristan Jerry have the round 12. So if you're going with the Grundy-Tristan Jerry combo, you've got two Ruckman on the same buy round when it comes to the mid-season buys. So you're potentially leaving yourself on that round 12 buy pretty short. Yes. By having both your rucks unavailable. So that is something that I think is worth mentioning as well. So, um, Do you think either of those guys could be guys that go before their buy or, or are they, do they fit that maybe. perfect bracket for guys you'd trade on your buy? You might, I mean, you, your hand might be forced if you have both of them leading into that buy. You might have to say, look, I'm going to have to upgrade one of these guys early because if you have taken both to the buy, yeah. you're going to be left in a bit of a tricky situation, aren't because you? Because it's the first buy round as well. It is also one of those awkward ones because you're not trading them into someone who's coming off their buy or anything like that. And both mm. the Marshall and... English, I think around 15. So they're at the very end oh. of that mid-buy period as well. So it is a bit weird. Um, and if you do think that both of them, like uh, a Grundy and a Tristan Jerry, are 25, 30 points of upside, well, then you've got pretty strong belief in them. And then if that's the case, you're going to want to hold on to them for a while so their yeah. cash can build up. Um, but there is a world where you trade them out before they buy. So, But it's just another thing to, to think about. Where, where do you stand on Grundy versus Tristan Jerry? Like if you if if you're like me and you want to lock away Max Gorn, yeah, and you're deciding between Grundy and Tristan Jerry, what, what to you separates the two? I think in a lot of ways I'm a little bit of a sucker for the seen it before. Yeah, I, I don't, it's fair. Like it is fair. Yeah, uh, look, I don't know whether it's always the best way to go. Um, so I think I, I have a little bit more confidence on. In Grundy, he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. He goes Melbourne, Collingwood, bang, bang. He's going to be diving into this new season, new club. SCG, small ground. But then, you know, in that huge sample size that I saw from X-Harry in the half of the first quarter of the first game. two and a quarter games that we got. I was rocking a massive hard on because his points per minute were, you know, through the roof. So, uh, you know, you pay a little bit more for Grundy, Grundy, but maybe you get a little bit more certainty in the fact that you've seen it before. What do you think? It's yeah, it's it's tough because I, I think when you're going against popular players, these are not normally the players you want to go against because there's undeniable value mm. here. The reason you want to go against a player is because they're usually expensive yeah. and that if you don't pick them, they have a poor game, their price drops, you're gonna get them cheaper. You're not gonna get Grundy cheaper than it's this. It's true. We all agree that, that yeah, these great value the it's just whether it's, there's better value. And and I think if you're chasing better and then also fading a popular player, I think there's more likelihood that you're going to get hurt by that than it actually paying off in a meaningful way. Because you might get a little bit of a leg up where you've got an extra player playing around five and yeah. and you get a slight edge. But the upside versus the downside favours the downside, I think, in that situation for the most part. With all that said, it will, to me, very much come down to what do we see in round zero? And um, what is that line? And, and does Tristan Jerry play... You know, the preseason games with his broken face and all that sort of thing. So at this stage, I'm thinking that he's probably not one of the main ones that we wanted to fade for the sake of being an antipod. Yeah. 
but still one that we I'm still questioning. He's not 100% a lock in my side. Is he there currently at Mitchman, the long and short of it? He's not there currently at the moment. Okay, I so do have, got I've got a Gorn and Xeri combo more because the cash got me to a structure that I'm playing with with someone like a Carl Amon in my M6. So I'm going deep in That's my very, midfield. Very um, deep. But if I had a situation where I need that extra bit of cash and I wanted to sort of switch some things around, I could. It, it's going to come back to the forward line. It, it all is going to come back to the forward like line. Weak as piss. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're going to have to wait and see what goes on there. But um, uh, for the sake of today's podcast, I don't think he's one that I would recommend going against for the sake of going against. Just for the sake of it, yeah. But, but just think about it. I know a lot of people just locked him away and gone, throw out the keys, he's in there. But um, Yeah, there's a few different scenarios where you can wheel and deal. Now, we... Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. Better move on, otherwise we're going to be going all day. I'm assuming this is meant to say Nick Dacos. Oh, yes, it is. Not not his brother, Josh. Uh, (laughs) Nick Dacos, who was the second highest uh, owned player in the competition at 50.3% when it comes to premiums. This, I think, is a more interesting discussion of you're fading him for the sake of differentiating your team from half the competition. Yeah, it's a fixturing thing. The, the, the case for fading him, you know, in a lot of people's minds is, is an early fixture. There's a buy in there. There's a potential Finn McGuinness tag. He's yes. expensive. I, I would hazard to say that he's fully priced because we, know, know, what, we yeah. know what this guy could do. So yeah. there's, you know, like we sat here last year with egg on our face, there's every chance that we're sitting with egg on our face. Now, in our uh, team reveal video, I Dagos hadn't trained at the Oxlogs all <laughs> season. Him in there. Well, I dropped my R3 position, remember? So <laughs> I, I got him in after I dropped the R3 and oh, I had to go and have a shower after. I, I felt a bit yucky. It's, yep. I shouldn't have done it because I've been talking all preseason about the fact that I think the wise move is to go elsewhere. Um, so he, he left the Ox songs. I told him, pack your bags, son. I'll see, yep. I'll see you in a few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see you after you buy. And, uh, we'll get you. Um, but, but what do you reckon? Do you reckon it's the wise? Uh, 50%. Like, talk to me about this ownership percentage because if I think about the echo chamber that is the, the people who create, like, a, you know, the It sounds like no one has this, it, right? Like, well, that's what I mean. It yeah. feels like most people... So, even the traders um, have come out and said, you know, no to Dacos, yep. which typically swings those that usually ownership moves ownership because yes, they're, they're yes. the big dogs. So, what what is the 50%? Is the 50%... I, I, it has come down. I, I think he, he was previously ahead of Grundy as the most popular premium player. He's okay. now behind Grundy. So, I think it is slowly making its way down. Um the other still thing 50%. is, it's still 50%. And I think a lot of the times at this stage of the year, that 50% is probably closer to sort of like 75, 80% because there's a lot of unfinished teams out there that, okay. you know, just kind of logged in. And it, it is very difficult to actually get a gauge on what that actually means. That, um, but that to me has to be the, the first click factor. Like, I know we joked about that. but I, I genuinely, I think that is a major part of why he's so highly yeah. owned because he's the first player. You click the defense, D1. Oh, Dacos, he's a fucking gun. Let's click him. And yeah. uh, that's as far as some of the thought process goes. But in saying that, like, some people will still look to start him because yeah. he is a gun. He is someone that hurt a lot of people last year if they didn't have him. But 
I still will. We've said this in the the defenders podcast. It's different this year. He's priced at 108 or whatever he is. Last year he was priced at 88. So yeah. it's a totally different scenario. So don't don't think of last year's pain and just carry that over to this yeah. year. I actually think that of the the top end coaches, I think he's actually going to be more lowly owned than what this number represents based on all the content that's out there of people saying not to go to Dacos. I think that's fair as well. And and I will say caveat on all of this is that we have our opinion on this, but if somebody said, I want to start Nick Dacos, there's no way that I'm no, well, talking I'm not, out of it because I, yeah. I just know that there's a, every chance that we have Egan O'Face. Uh, 100%. But, like, and, and if he does come out and he averages 120 up to his early buy round, yeah. that's that's a win. Like, If you started him yeah. at 108, he's gone 12 points above that. He's a captain option for you every week. Like, that's a great pick. If he starts and like it, that, you'll have to find a new person to podcast with because I <laughs> shan't be showing up quitting. and sitting in this chair. Yes. So, but I, I think at this stage, he is someone that I'm definitely... I mean, he's never been in my team. I mean, um, I've not once had a structure where he's been in my side. I don't really think that there is a world that I do start him. So I guess... Yes, by definition, I'm going to be fading him as a bit of an antipod. Let's talk about this other guy because he has spent time in my team. Yep. Jack McRae. Jack Head Tilt McRae. Yeah. I think... Speak about having a shower. Yeah. This this would have been maybe a, a more interesting conversation. or, or It's still definitely an interesting conversation, but the recent news of his hamstring yeah. awareness complaint, niggle, just throws an ele- another element of, you know... Just another X factor in amongst all this. So, what are your thoughts on fading versus starting Jack McRae? Is, I, go on. I'm a little bit. I'm a little bit like you in the sense that I've, I've gone back and forth with this guy, but never, never have I put him in the team and felt really, really happy about it. Yep. Um. Every time I've put him in, it's been a okay. I'm, I'm going to cover the field here. I'm going to make yep. it a trading game, and I'm going to make sure I don't get burnt by the potential that we know Jack McRae has in the right role. Um. Everything about the forward line feels a little dirty um, this year, especially coming off last year. So uh, I think that uh, at the moment I'm I'm dead set 50-50 on McRae. I don't think... I don't think you even get hurt too bad if you... If you do choose to fade him, like I yeah. don't see the world where he comes out. And so yeah, that's 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 the, the scenario we've got to kind of like figure is like what is the likelihood you think that he's going to put up an average and a score that really hurts you? Like what does that what does that actually look like? What score if he goes and averages a hundred? Is I, that I don't feel hurt by that. You're not too concerned about that. I don't feel hurt by that unless every other forward is absolute dull shit. Which is, which is if option, he averages 100, is he going to get away from you straight away? What's uh, he's not going to soar up in price, I wouldn't have thought. Um, so he'll still be an option if there's some some toing and froing, and you can you can trade some, you know, shuffle those early fix up trades. So I wouldn't feel hurt by 100, but I'd know that I probably need to get him in. Yeah, like 105. Now, starts, I'm, now I'm starting to, to feel a bit yucky about that. Yeah. What what are you thinking? Are you, like 105, 110 is. I, I think I I do not see a world where he is averaging more than one hundred and five. Okay. I, I just don't see that world unless there's an injury preseason to a liver or a bonce. Like if that's yeah. if that's the case, then that might happen. But if their midfield is healthy, liver, bonce, uh, Trelaw are all there round one. Yeah. Um, I don't see him going one hundred five plus. I think he can get up to that one hundred and five if that midfield comes up to that fifty. 60%. Yeah. Um, but I don't see the 110 days coming back personally as currently constructed. So so are you more in the camp of... I know you, you said you've had him. Are you more in the camp of fading him or are you... He's been into my team 
for a lot of the season, the hamstring thing was enough for me to go, okay, I'm going to seriously explore options not having him. Yeah, it almost made it um, easier in a sense. To yeah, know. it was like, I, I never felt comfortable with him sitting there. So I've gone, okay, this is my this is my sign. Like something's yeah. spoken to me going, uh, yeah, let's try and explore other options. Because I think just with the uneasiness of what's actually going to change for McRae this season makes me want to explore other options. So um, Yeah, you can't you can't sell yourself on the narrative of oh there's this how, big shift, there's this big yeah. change. I mean may I mean people may point to the Bailey Smith thing, but I don't think that there's any There's every chance Riley Sanders plays more CBAs than Bailey Smith did. Yeah. Um, yeah it's yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting one. So you can I'll, see by the way we're talking about it that we're two and Right now, I'm like 60% fade, 40% go okay. with, the, with the crowd. Yeah. So pretty close, but more in that fade camp. But again, we'll have to wait and see what the rest of the forward line shapes up to be. Let's talk about the next forward there, and that is Sam Flanders. How do you feel with him? And, and has the McRae hamstring thing influenced this at all? Um. It's influenced it in the sense that you have to explore all other options thoroughly. Yeah. Like, it's influenced it in that sense. Bales, um, and we've talked about this a couple of times, has has pretty much convinced me that this run is the moistest run of, <laughs> moistest of all time. It's most like moist, torrentially yeah. moist, um, <laughs> this this run, that I, and with that early buy, that I'm yeah. a little bit off it. But, but I will put the caveat that if in not only the practice game and then opening round, mm-hmm. if I see this... 50% CBA roll, putting in hundreds, then there's a scenario where I have to go, I want those three price rises yeah. before he has that buy. But premiums on buys, what do you reckon? Well, so if you think about, if we do a little bit of math here, right? So yeah. if you expect, let's say, for example, you, you say Jack McRae is going to go 90. Yeah. At what point is it worth copying that one round of yeah. value that Flanders is worth that. So if, if Flanders goes 100, so yeah. he's 10 points ahead of McRae. Yeah, so he gets three lots of the 100, which yeah, is three lots of the 100, so... McRae's four lots of 90 is already 360. So, so and if you, you change it between a premium and a rookie that's going to fill in, so say you're giving up 100 points and you're going to cop 60 instead. Yeah. So there's 40 points. So four rounds of being 10 points ahead... I don't even know what I'm trying to say. I've lost myself. I've lost Woo! my train of thought. <laughs> Mathematicians. Um, the ball boys get math. But they're, 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 I'll have to think of this a bit better. But like, I know what there's, you're talking there's about. A, there's, a, there's a cutoff where he's X amount points better than yes. the, the loss of that round is worthwhile. There's people <laughs> that completely. There's people out there that have articulated better than us. Once we're, We'll bring an abacus in next. <laughs> abacus. We'll bring an abacus in. We'll Scientific put, calculator. Correct. Like, yep. Cos 10. Uh, e equals but, MC squared. Yeah. I reckon if he goes 100 and McRae goes goes 90, that, that to me is like, a, you, you cop that at that point. You probably take um, McRae, hey. I, I think I take Flanders um, because he's 10 points better. Oh, okay. um, and I, th- I think that that's worth it. But at, at the end of the day, how confident are you at doing that? Um, it, it's up up in the air. But it is it is a massive watch. I'm still probably fading both of them, to be honest, at this stage um, and trying to hunt those even cheaper guys. Does um, it, you end up with a forward line full of mid-prices. But, is, but it, if, but is that okay to do that? I guess you get you get maybe. your you get your big dogs elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, it just I, means your other lines. Are, yep. That's true. We have to look at it, look at it from more of a positionless aspect when we get yeah. into a situation like this. It's okay. Well, we've got six mid prices in our forward line. Well, that's all right because we've got the None premiums else. Yeah. in other lines. Yeah. So the other thing is, I'll throw it to finish the, the Flanders thing. We yeah. talked about what what does a, uh, a McRae have to do to hurt you? What does a Flanders have to do to hurt you? And and is that more likely to happen? 
because I am more... The world I see Flanders going 110 is much more realistic to me than a McRae going 110. Yeah. So I think there's a higher likelihood that Flanders hurts you more than a McRae if you fade one of the two. Think about what we saw from him on like 30% CBAs at the end of last <laughs> Massive, year. It's, yeah. it's insane. So yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, so I think uh, I think that just weighs on my mind a little bit is that like I, I'd i be more concerned going against a Flanders than I would a McRae. Yeah, that you might get it's killed. It's just that buy around, where is that enough to offset that? So uh, yeah. that's just something I think Beautiful. about there. Let's move away from these stinking forwards and let's talk about a guy that I think this will be really short and sweet. Hayden Young, one of the highest owned defenders. I think he's the highest owned defender. No Are math required him? here, mate. No math required. One plus one equals midfield time. Don't and... go against Hayden Young. <laughs> you are not going to win out. This man... I'm going with Hayden Young. You could yes. go, I mean, you could go against Hayden Young. There's guys in that price bracket that people might like better. You know, um, Wanganine Miller is there. A little bit more, yeah. Where, but yeah, yeah. But no, I, I, I think this is the price bracket where you've got nothing to lose by starting him and going with the crowd. Yeah. And you've got a lot to lose if you go against the crowd and he does go 100, 105. um, You're not gaining much by fading him, I don't think. He's not super expensive. This is like the proper stereotype of what you want, is a guy that's... This is what Nick Dacos was last year. Like, this is why we shouldn't have faded him last year. We can't compare Nick Dacos to Hayden Young. (laughs) Midfield time, Luke. Midfield time. Midfield time. Yep. Lock it in. I think so. Max Gorn is the next one here. So he is... um, Is he the next highest owned Ruckman? I believe he is. So Grundy is by far and away. Max Gorn is next. I think if I just pull up his ownership, he is sitting at 31% ownership, which is is fairly fairly high. Um, Do you think a lot of people are are rocking with the uh, Grundy-Jerry combo? If you are one of those teams, are you nervous about going against Max Gorn uh, and, and fading him as someone who's going to be fairly popular. How much do you think you lose out if you pick, let's say you pick Grundy, you don't pick Gorn, and they both end up with 25 points of upside. How much of a loss is that if you picked Grundy instead of Gorn? The difference you still is, got the upside. The difference you, is, is you now have to make a trade, yeah. and you're not getting a captain versus those people with Gorn are getting a captain option. So if they come up with a brilliant matchup, Gorn goes 160. Yeah. They've got the captaincy on them. You don't have him at all. That hurts. Like That's something that, that stings a lot. I think is the captaincy that... is a legit thing to be nervous about. Like Put it this way. Yeah. Last year, Rowan Marshall was priced at 91 or something like that. Mm-hmm. He went 116. Yeah. If you went against Rowan Marshall last year... Now, I know we've got more options this year. Yeah. But if you went against Rowan Marshall last year... Think about how much that hurt. Yeah, you were in a pickle. Like, no one in the top 100 didn't have Rowan Marshall. Like, everyone had him. Gorn has every chance to be that pick this season. Is there a way that you, you skirt that downside by whatever you don't spend on Gorn that you yeah, get Grundy for? If you turn that into points elsewhere, do you think you can, you think you can skirt that I mean, that yeah, loss? absolutely. Like, I, I, yeah. It, it depends on your conviction level of what you're spending that money on. Like, are you... You know, is that confidence in the other player as strong as the confidence you have in Gorn? Yeah. Um, that that would be the question I would be asking myself. And, and it is a little bit different because obviously, like, Tristan Jerry, Brady Grundy are both great options. They're both going to exceed their price, I believe, yeah. a fair bit. Um, but I also think Max will do that as well. So, so you're more likely to go against Grundy than you are against Gorn? I, I think so. I, I think yeah. so. I think there's more of a world where Gorn comes out and just hammers in some big 
scores early on. Yeah. And it's going to make him so hard to get in. And he's also captained by a few sides. Whereas I don't know if people are throwing the captaincy on a Grundy early season. Yeah. That's just my thoughts. But uh, so for me, I, I, I don't know. Maybe, and I've, I've wrote, I wrote a Deca DT article on, um, on Max Gorn recently. If you haven't, oh, that'll be coming out tomorrow um, when this podcast is re- recorded. So go and check that one out. Spoiler alert, I've given him the ace tag because Oof. I think he is someone that is just, he just picks himself to me. So I, okay. I wouldn't advocate going against him, but I know some people are um, because of the other options available. But for me personally, the more I research Max Gorn, the more I am terrified to go against him. Sam Walsh, I'm I'm going against the early the early buy does it for me. Fading him, yeah. Um, He's one of those guys that is cheap, so you you're not necessarily fading him because he's expensive, but he yeah. isn't like he's not priced in the 80s or 70s. Like you know, a, a, I don't think he's going to fly away from you know. He's not going to get away from you something chronic. And in the first couple of rounds, he also like has. I mean, I know he's got Richmond in round one, but yeah. he's got Brisbane at the Gabba in. Round zero. Uh, round zero. So you can't. I'd be pretty shocked if he came out and gave us a one forty or something. There's um, also there's also other options. Yes, there's other options to go. Like if you were going head to head with a with a Sam Walsh and you and you choose a Jack Steele, I'm very comfortable with that. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like going against someone with someone who's got equal upside, done it before, no oh, early right. buy around. Um, I'm I'm comfortable with that. Like I think it's all about the other options as well. Like who you're going with, and I think that in the midfield. There are several, so I, I agree with you that going against Sam Walsh, who, again, he's pretty highly owned up there. He is sitting at the moment at 27% ownership um, in the competition. Um, I'm, I'm pretty happy to let, you know, basically a quarter of the comp, comp um, have to deal with him in round two, and maybe we'll get a jump up in that second round. Talk to me about Bont. If you don't own him to start, is there a chance you never own him? <laughs> Maybe. So he's 26.5% owned as well. And this was the, like last year, if we, we go back to Rory Laird discussions. Now, if like you and I both faded Rory Laird and it never really felt like I wasn't really ever nervous about it. I mean, that second week where he popped that 140, that stung a little bit. And, but we yeah. eventually got him in. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a, that's a question about a lot of these players that if you're not starting with them, how are you getting them in? How are you getting bonds? How are you getting um, uh, a Nick Dacos and, and that sort of thing? And that's a big question people will have if you're not going with these guys. When do you get them in? My thought process is like, is that, well, don't worry about it. F- like, figure it out Find at some point. Elsewhere. Like, it's... So many things can happen between this is now and the the buy rounds and the, and that sort of thing. Like we wouldn't have English last year. English, we didn't have him. A, yeah. a tra- an injury goes down, we, we trade him over. A lot yeah. of people didn't start Dacos like you and I. Um, Doherty goes down, you trade across, and that's it. Like so, I, I wouldn't stress too much about okay if I plan to get him in at this round at this stage. Gonna it, so much anyway. is going to change between now and then. So I'm, I'm not stressing about that. There is, um, there's a very real possibility you don't have these guys until the mid-season buys where you do have those two downs, one-ups. Um, that's just going to ha- how you have to play it. They haven't come down at value. And I think if you're patient enough, you, you'll, you'll get there. Yep. Um, yeah, so I think just, just don't stress too much about getting these guys in if they're not value right now. Um, let's talk about another cheaper player, Kadeen Coleman, who is still very high up there in ownership at 27% yeah. there as well. I think this one's a pretty easy fade for me. I, I just don't see the Kadeen Coleman fantasy hype, personally. Yeah, there's a couple of factors. I mean, the, the grand final performance is just absolutely fantastic. If he comes and plays that role with that intensity every week, then it's an absolute smash pick. But I, I just don't feel like 
week to week, his um, like it, thirst is is the yeah. word I'm going for. It is there, and then the other thing that you mentioned or have mentioned before as well is that Brisbane maybe don't have that particularly friendly role off halfback that yeah. we see in some other teams. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether it's the fact they play a lot of their home games at the Gabba, it's a slightly different shape or, or what it is. Um, but when you go back and look at, at Kitty Coleman's stats uh, across the year last year, there's actually not a lot to be excited about. There's yeah. only a few times he went over 90. And if you're wanting to pick a guy for that upside, you probably want to see that he can do that as a pretty regular occurrence. I'm just not sure. Yeah, he's there yet, but um, I mean, if know, we compare him to the guy that he's kind of replacing, Daniel Rich. Daniel Rich only went above ninety once in his entire career, and that was in twenty twenty one, where he did do a ninety eight. But that to me sticks out as a bit more of an anomaly than the rule. So, in terms of like Brisbane and their, you know, the the fantasy friendly role nature of that halfback position, short ground, they don't chip around. They're very direct. I think they're the best clearance team in the competition. So it's not down there very often either. Um, uh, I just don't. I don't see the need to take that risk when he's got a round two buy. Yeah. Um, you can sort of get him after the buy if you really want him, uh, but I don't think you need to launch into it in that first round of the season. Personally, we both agree we'd go fade on that one. Taylor Adams is an interesting one because yeah. this again ties back into that forward line conversation. But he is popular. Again, I'll throw the question that I asked you about the McRae and um, uh, Flanders discussion. What what does he go that hurts you? if you don't start him, that you're regretting it. Because he's a bit later, the round five by, uh, priced yeah. at 76 and a half. What does he go at that stings? Is it is it 95? I think it is 95. It's 95 there, you know, thereabouts or the 100. There's every chance with him that if I see in round zero and the preseason game that he is like, he's their 85% CBA guy yeah. and it looks absolutely solid that I go there. To 100, yeah. The little wrinkle I think which is interesting if you were to go against him as an antipod is the age and the potential injury concern as well because yes. that is like a wet dream if you pick an, you know, if you don't pick yeah, one of these yeah. antipods and they go down injured, you're like, Hell yeah, you're soaring up the ranking. Absolutely. Everyone else has got to deal with the trade. You don't have to. You can jump on the next, you know, guy that's that's popping. So, yeah. I mean, there's that, but we don't we don't plan for injuries. But he's got a little history there. He's, he's not someone that you just sweep in that under the rug, I think. Um, is there a world you fade all three of these guys? So all three of those big forwards? Flanders, Adams, Yeah, I almost McRae. talked myself into it before when I, said, when I said, look at it as a whole team perspective. Don't yeah. look at the lines in isolation because... Does it? I mean, I'm sure there is. I haven't given this a great deal of thought, but does it really matter so much? Where? Uh, see, I don't think so. I don't. I don't think it's like like last year. The value was in the forward line, so we loaded up on forwards. the forward line. Yeah. The value is not in the forward line at the moment, as far as we can see. So don't spend your money there because yeah. it's. So are it's we reaching gonna... for something that we shouldn't be? Should we just be saying, well, if we don't, if we don't rate the pick, and all yeah. our research says that we shouldn't rate the pick, don't make the pick. That, that's that, that's my thought process as, at the moment as well. I do think yeah. that there is a world where Tyler Adams can come out and score ninety five to hundred yeah. um, if he is that dominant sort of number one or two guy in the midfield. I don't necessarily see that happening, but we will have a chance to look at it in the opening round to get a gauge on whether or not that's the case. So The only certainty is that we are going to talk ourselves in circles for the next few weeks. <laughs> the fucking that's forward the line. The yeah. forward line. Anyway, but yeah, um, yeah I, think, I think there is a lot of those popular players and I think the opening round stuff lends itself to going against some of these popular guys. Um, the ones that are up there that I think that don't talk yourself into going against are the players like a Max Gorn, a Hayden Young, uh, are probably the two guys that stand out to be the most. Grundy is probably the next one that is the more difficult one to talk yourself into going against. 
The rest, though, there are pretty strong arguments to go against a lot of these players because of either their price, their early buys, or the fact that we haven't seen them do what we need them to do yet. And there are uh, ways that you can come out ahead if you don't have them, and a lot of people do. So... Yeah, lots to talk about, lots to, lots to discuss between now and opening rounds. Let us know what you think down below. Is there a popular player that you are going against or is there someone that you are terrified to go against in your starting fantasy squad? Drop them down in the comments if you can so as well, guys. Make sure you are subscribed to the YouTube channel and the uh, wherever you get your podcast. Give us a five-star rating and review. Thumb this video up and we will see you guys next time with a couple of interviews with some fantasy legends. Bye. <laughs>